Hey everyone, how are you doing today? As mentioned in the Daily Financial News, we are bringing on the legend, Jonathan <laughs> Twomley. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> and if you're following along, folks, the first time he was wonderful and a legend. Number two, he was wonderful, and now he's just a legend. So I'm having fun this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I like having fun. <laughs> so, hey, Jonathan, what I want to talk about today is a unintended consequence or a side effect or whatever you want to call it that very, very few people are looking at, right? A lot of people have been wrapped around the axle around all of these proposed tax changes. And I think some of them are coming in some form or the other. I'm not, I don't want to talk about that here, right? Like, is it 39% or 35% or, you know, any of that? I just want to talk about what I think is going to be the outcome next year is transaction volume in multifamily, commercial multifamily and residential I believe the natural order or the natural transactions are going to slow down dramatically because again, investors will be frozen, right? I, for one, have been purposely buying residential single family homes with the intention and declared on this channel to 1031 in about 2023 or 2024. It's a process I did in 08. I wanted to do again, but if it goes away, I won't trade up. I won't sell. I will just hold. And there'll be 30 or 40 less single affordable single family houses on the market. So, and I think that's going to happen across the board. So I want to talk to somebody who's in the other side, the commercial side and see what you think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if um, it's pretty simple, if it becomes too expensive to sell, people aren't going to sell. Exactly. Right? It's just, yeah. Okay. I'll keep it. <laughs> I mean, it's going to certainly change people's behavior right if you exactly if you change from one set of rules to another set of rules then there's going to be a, a time of adjustment um i mean i think probably it will be shorter it will be short term because in that transition period of like people's strategy right mm -hmm. so if your strategy was like you know buy rehab refinance and then sell in 1031 mm -hmm. like and you've already done the rehab and the refi and now you've got a big, you know, you, you're going to have a problem with your tax bill. Yeah. You know, when you sell and you have to repay the mortgage, people who are in that situation are just going to hold. Right? They can't, Until again, I want you, I want people to realize what you just said, right? Let's just say you buy it at 10 million, you spend 3 million on the rehab. You're now into it. I don't know, 13, you go get money out. You have no money in the deal or very little. Yeah. Then you go to sell and the 1031 has gone you can't pay back the mortgage, right? Without writing well, a check. Or you can pay back the mortgage, but you can't pay your tax then, right? Yeah, so can't like, pay the tax. All the money is going to go into paying the mortgage, but you're still going to have a tax bill, right? Absolutely. And so yeah. that's, so people who are in that situation are going to have to just hold, refi you know, refinance the old debt at the, whatever the principal balance is mm -hmm. and just hold it because and, until they kind of work, you know, over time, work through enough appreciation and you know where they now can yeah. sell it eventually and be able to pay the tax um but i think what's gonna and then like you know the other group of people will not be doing the refis mm -hmm. because they they are thinking like well if i'm not gonna be able to do 1031 uh then i'm gonna be stuck so i i i definitely think that you know if if, if people's behavior will change for sure if yeah. the rules change and that the, those folks who were caught in the middle between the two between one set of rules when they buy and one set of rules when they're looking to sell 
are just a lot of those people just won't be in a position to sell. Yeah, they so can't. They, they fundamentally can't sell. So there, there were planned transactions. And again, my little world is small, but this is happening to hundreds or thousands of individuals. You buy under one set of rules with a plan, and then they kick the board over and the different rules. You, you've got to change. Your exit's different. And most, if not all of them, will just simply hold because that's the most efficient thing to do. And I also think that this may, you know, this may force a change in strategy kind of across the board, which is that people are really going to be buying for cash flow. Oh, right? I agree. I think that changes not, also. Not yes. Buying, yeah, not be buying for, uh, for appreciation because the appreciation is going to be too expensive, right? So I'm glad so, you brought that up. Yeah. So they're going to be buying for cash flow, which, you know, I think is going to imply some kind of cap rate decompression as well. You would hope. Because you're, you know, if that's going to be your return and you can't count on that back end, either because it, it you know, the, 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 the change in the rules kind of just makes less appreciation possible or because, well, look, you might have paper appreciation, but you can't capture it because you can't sell. You've got to think about that. Yeah. Uh, then people are going to think, well, I've got to get my return some way, some other way that's through cash flow on the property. And, you know, that it only makes sense. It, it, you know, can't, you can't make any money buying at a four cap. Right. No, exactly. So, exactly. So got it. So cap rates have got to go up, right? They've just, they're just going to have to go up. They, so, I think decompression well, is the right word. I think, I think deals get evaluated very differently next year, this time. And yeah. I think, I think, you know, I'll say it, not you, but I think there's a lot of rookie syndicators out there who will keep operating under yesterday's rules, not really, not realizing that tomorrow's different and, and they're going to hurt a lot of equity. They're going to hurt a lot of their investors. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll see how this shakes out, right? I mean, we've already talked about whether 1031 is going to survive or not. Yeah. I mean, I'm of the view that I think, I think it will. I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to get through. Um, Okay. To, just just because of this issue, because so many people, because it's baked in so deeply to the, you know, to the way things are done. The only way they could get rid of it is to say like, hey, we're going to phase it out over ten years. And otherwise, it would just, I mean, it would just be too much of a shock to the system. And you have to believe that the, the real estate industry is going to put a full court press on Congress to prevent this change from happening. So, I, I think the chances are. are yeah. Pretty- you and I disagree on this one. I think. I think. Uh... I think, I think they're going to do it. I think they do have to negotiate up from the $500,000 limit. I think they're going to move it to a million, uh, but that'll be the only thing they give. I, and you know, we'll see, but again, I think no matter what happens, there's like three, there's like a triple whammy, right? Capital gains going up, uh, stepped up basis and the 1031. I think that's a hodgepodge that some of that gets through. And again, I think the outcome is less existing owners sell. They just hold longer, right? The average hold time goes up. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be, it's, if that plays out the way that you say it, you know, the way that you that you think it will, it, it has already become really, really difficult for the small investor to buy property, right? Yeah. Just with what's, what's happened over the last, you know, five years in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has become increasingly difficult. And, and across the board, it has just become this low interest rate environment has created a situation where it's just very, very difficult for people to build like cash flow and to build, to get compounding yeah. from 
you know, from their investments. You know, even though, like the stock market has gone crazy, so people have made money, but that's, it can, it can always go in reverse. Same thing with the real estate, it can always go in reverse. The only thing you can really count on is cash flow. Mm-hmm. And that has been, you know, just devastated. Bond yields have been devastated. You know, real estate yields have been devastated. Everything's been devastated. And it's been just made it really, really difficult for people to make money kind of like the good old fashioned way. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and this, and, and the, the changes in the industry have made it also just hard for people to get their hands on property, even if they're willing to take, a, you know, you could still, you could still sort of play out a scenario where if you're thinking like, Hey, I'm 30 years old, I'm going to buy an investment property. I know the cap rate is going to be four, but I'm just going to hold it forever. And eventually, you know, this is going to be producing 15, 20% a year for me. And I'm thinking about 30 years from now, you know, you can still sort of envision that, but it's it just has become really, really difficult to buy property and it's become, and, and this may make it even more difficult. This is just like adding another another obstacle. If you have less property on the market, it's just gonna make more, the prices rise even more, yep. but more things out of reach for folks. Yep. Um, and, you know, and also for, frankly, for the, um, you know, even homeowners, like people who just wanna own a yeah. house without just to live in. Yeah, I, I'm glad you went there because that's I I see the dominoes and they're falling. That's just how this works out in my head. It's just a series of dominoes that are falling, and I think what happens is the affordable home, the 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 mythical affordable home, which is where I buy and ca- it's where cash flow exists, right? I think that be, almost becomes a unicorn because not only do we have one rental at a time kind of mantra, but you have now outside for deep outside forces coming in. You have Redfin's and Zillow's and Wall Street and insurance companies proving that single family homes could be lumped together. Not only now you have builders that are doing build for rent and selling entire communities to Wall Street. The affordable home is going to go up. It's going to become harder to get. So get off your butt and get on the property ladder right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, that is a really interesting and important point that, you know, the institutional buyers and this is not just for, you know, this is for multifamily too, mm-hmm, not just single sure. family. No, agreed. institutional buyers are, are getting bigger and bigger, you know, a bigger chunk of multifamily is coming under the, uh, the control of yep. very, very large funds, you know, and the, the mark now it's, you couldn't say the market is consolidated because those big funds still only control maybe 30% of the entire market, but the trend, the trend is, you know, and there's some properties they will never touch, right? I mean, there's some areas they're never going to go to, but all of the, you know, the hot markets where, you know, most people are looking to invest are also the targets of those institutional investors. No doubt. And you're going to be increasingly competing with them as, you know, as there are fewer and fewer opportunities to buy bigger, pro- you know, big deals, they're going to start poaching down below and they're going to start like, this and they've already you know they've already you know, for years <coughs> institutional investors were like how can we possibly own single family homes at scale there's no way we can do this can't manage yeah. them they've proven that they can now. exactly that was a game changer exactly since so they can well what's the difference with multifamily it used to be institutions were like well it's too small for us now they're like well we'll just go roll up 50 small ones exactly. right and so and now it's big enough for us to to buy and it's going to be very, very hard for folks like you and me to compete with that, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and I'm even seeing, frankly, 
amongst syndicator friends, a lot of people are raising funds, right? And it's very easy to raise funds right now. People oh, are, yeah. you know, five yeah, years ago, it was impossible. Nobody wanted to invest in a fund. Now funds are everywhere. And so people are, you know, big piles of money, even from some smaller people, some smaller, you know, they're not institutional level investors, but now they've got 50 or $100 million in, in you know, that they can use to buy more multifamily, just going to drive the price up even more. So, yeah. yeah. So folks, I, I, I've said this many times on my channel. I think the single family home is the best asset to buy for the next six to 18 months. You get artificially low rates because what the Fed is doing, you buy ahead, you have inflation coming in value and rent. And, um, you know, if you do it, you know, in a couple of years, it's going to be more expensive. That's just how it's going to go. And listen, with, you know, with the, with the single family homes too, you know, you get that 30 year mortgage. 30 year money. You have 30 year money with the commercial property. You're looking at generally speaking, the best you're going to get is 10 years. There are mm -hmm. some loan programs go a little bit longer, but you're pretty much looking at a 10 year note at the, at the longest. Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you can't even get 30 year amortization. If you're dealing with a small bank, you're going to get a five year note and 20 or 25 year amortization. Yep. If you have, well, obviously that it's good. You're building up your equity a lot faster, but you don't have the cash flow. Correct. You build, you know, buy a, you know, sub five unit building for less with a residential loan, crazy low interest rates and lock it in for 30 years. Like that is, that is going to, you're going to be very happy. You did that 30 years. I'm glad you said that. Cause again, I've been telling people five years from now, you are going to be smiling when you've got a three, three and a half, 4% loan and they're six and a half, seven. It's, ah, it's going to be wonderful. So, yeah. so go ahead. No, I mean, nothing to add to that. Just, yeah, <laughs> just go, get going. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a good asset to own. So very cool. Uh, yeah. Well, Jonathan, thank you for your time today. These have been three great episodes and you are wonderful and a legend. Just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> Thanks buddy. <laughs>